Good morning, everybody. So, we're, as Joel said, we're reading from Psalm 119, starting at verse 105, which is there. So, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept my freewheel offerings of praise, O Lord, and teach me your rules. I hold my life in my hand continually, but I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts. Your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. If you're sitting in the aisles, before we go any further, reach your arms down and um, take one of our lovely clipboards there. Um, those are, That's an opportunity for you to communicate with us and uh, if you have a prayer point or you have something that you want to communicate to us or that you would like us to know about, maybe you'd like a visit, maybe you've, you know got something that you want to share with us, please feel free to write that down and we will definitely pray for you during the week. And um, Good morning, I think everybody knows me here, if you don't, my name's Andrew and uh, it's my pleasure to lead you in the word this morning and um, I think we're going to sign up Roy for our preaching roster next, next, uh, next year, that's really good. Although by the way, you see the little manuals, you've got this little one for a toaster, this little one. Do you see how thick the manual was for his chainsaw? How confusing is your chainsaw? Six different languages. <laughs> I'm thinking, that's a chain. Has that got a computer screen as well? <laughs> Man. We're looking at God's Word and, you know, we're, we're coming to the end, you know, and we're all a bit sad. Well, not actually, because we've, we've actually got a stack out of it. We're coming to the end of looking at our traits of... Um, mature disciples this year. Um, Very soon we're heading to Christmas and we'll look at a few different things, but we've been working around um, what it looks like to be a mature disciple and what are the things that help us to do that. And we're up to uh, applies God's Word and um, kind of capping it off with looking at God's Word and looking at how, uh, you know, the Word that we've been given, applying God's Word, how that can guide us, but how that also equips us and, and leads us. And so we've called these couple of weeks. Joel kicked it off a few weeks ago and I spoke last week and uh, we'll finish it next week. We've called this By the Book. And um, it was really cool to, to hear Roy's um, story to the kids because you, know, you operate things by the book and when you don't. And one of the kids there said, you know, when I try to build the Lego thing without the book, eventually you might build a Lego thing but it's a whole lot harder, a whole lot more frustration and it might not look as good. There might be a few blocks in the wrong place. And um, I'm all too aware in the background as I'm talking about manuals that I'm speaking to men. You know what we do? We don't like to use manuals. That's the last thing we do, you know. Um, (laughs) I'm aware of that. And let's not treat the Bible like that. That's not how we're going to treat the Bible. 
You know, we're familiar with the word. If you've been coming to church for, for years, if you've been working with, walking with God, if you've grown up in a Christian family or a Christian country, we're familiar with the word. Many of us read it most days, I guess. You know, we have seasons where we do that better than others. It's encouraging, it's, it's challenging, and we learn that every time we, we come and meet as a life group or we meet as a church. The word encourages us, it challenges us, it gives us hope and a whole lot more. But it can also confuse us, can't it? It can also make us question stuff. It can be tough to figure out um, what, it's, what it's saying. It can be tough to work out how to, how to apply it. And so what we've done is we've looked at the Word for a couple of weeks and we've discovered that the Word is living and abiding, you know, and that's, I still think that's one of the things that you kind of have to get into your head, that they're not just catchphrases. We hear that again and again, you know, the Word is living and abiding and it's old language and we sort of think, ah, but it really is, you know, ponder that. The Word is living and abiding and Joel talked about that the first week, Russ, and that's probably really, really important to know before you even open the pages of the Bible that there's something of life in there and that it's, it's, it's abiding and it's something that's forever. It can be hard to apply. We also learned that it can be hard to apply in a world of competing messages where there's so much information out there, where there's so much other quote-unquote wisdom that we can access. It can be harder and it can be counter-cultural to apply the word. But we also heard again last week that it's useful and that it's powerful, especially because it's God-breathed and it's inspired by God. There's something supernatural in the Word that isn't in any other good book or good book of instruction. Today we, we want to have a look at how this abiding and useful Word, this, how this manual for life guides us. What does it guide us to or what does it guide us in? And also towards it, where and who does it guide us to? So I think that's the key, isn't it? And I chose Psalm 119 and I thought, I was talking in the office this week and I was wondering whether we should do the whole psalm as a reading. But then I thought I'd cheat myself. You won't want to hear me preach anymore after that. So, But Psalm 119 is amazing. If you ever actually, I'm being a bit serious now, if you ever actually get a chance to read the whole psalm, and okay, you don't have to do it in one sitting, but it's actually amazing every single the whole, the whole psalm is about the book, about the Word. Every single verse mentions the Word in some way, shape or, far, or form. It could be written as his word. It can be written as his ways. It could be, they could use the word statutes or decrees or law or precepts or commands or promise. And I don't know if there's any others that I didn't get. But the Word is in some way mentioned in every verse of Psalm 119. Isn't that amazing? Pretty start... Has, did anyone know that before? John, you probably, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Trivia number, ah, oh, Glenn, <laughs> Pastor Glenn, we're not worthy, you know. <laughs> but it's amazing. Actually, guys, I'm going to bust your bubble because there's two verses that are in conflict. They say they might not, but anyway, it is. It's amazing that Psalm 109 is all about the Word. And you could read a verse a day. I was thinking, you know, what you could do is you could just take one or two verses a day and just ponder them. Because it talks about it very personally too. It talks about how the Word is really personal and how the Word really interacts with you as a child of God. The overall message of Psalm 119 focuses on the truth of God's Word. It encourages us through every generation to stay close and focused to His Word no matter what happens in our, around the world, in our world. 
living in the freedom and knowledge of God's ways, obeying his law, keeping in steps with his commands. It's all in there. And it points to that's the only way to live truly wise and strong lives. But Psalm 119 also reminds us that God's very character is reflected through his word. He's righteous. It talks about you know, God's character being righteous, that he's faithful, that he's unchanging, that he's true. And the opening two verses remind us that we're blessed as we walk in his truth and seek him with our whole heart. Remember when Joel um, spoke a couple of weeks ago, he started with the first psalm and talked about being blessed. And remember how he talked about the word meaning happy or joyful. And the psalmist goes again to that. Psalm 119 opens with that, that whole sense of being blessed, of being happy, content, joyful. You know, and, and so the psalmist, he couldn't think of a better way to start a new chapter that was going to be all about the Word by beginning by saying, you know what, this is going to bless your socks off. This is really going to be amazing. And I don't approach the Word like that so often, do you, if I'm really honest? And so that's why... This is really important for us to understand, important for me and good for us to understand. Psalm 119 reminds us right at the start that the word leads us and guides us to being blessed, to being happy, content, joyful. So let's have a quick look and a quick practical look at the psalm a little bit, not all of it, and just see some of the ways that the word does guide us. Because I said we were going to talk about what does it guide us to or in. What are some of the things that... um, it shows us, and where does it guide us to, and how? Um, and just to have a look when, you, when we're looking at it, just just realize. And if you get a chance to read Psalm 119 in the next season, just have a look and, and just let it impress you how complete and thorough the psalm is. But actually, how complete and thorough the word is in terms of all-encompassing. That there is nothing in our life or nothing in our world that isn't addressed in the word. That we can't look to the Word to understand what God's heart is for that and what He might want to say. So we're going to look at a few, not all of them. And we'll see just some of the ways that the Word guides us. And one of the things you'll see is it's relevant. The Word is relevant for us today. The psalmist will show us that the Word guides us in areas that are just as current today. Things that concern you and me. Things that keep us busy. Things that are in our world and, and it's all in there. And I guess, you know, um, perhaps the first one is, you know, like I said, it starts off and uh, we said it guides us to blessing. Psalm 119, um, verse 1 and 2, it kicks off with, Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. Who is not asking God to bless you? You know, okay, we don't really say that out loud a lot. You know, guess what? I'm praying for God to bless me. You know, you get accused for being a prosperity preacher or something like that. But seriously, how many of us are not asking God to look over our lives, to bless our lives? And I think it's really interesting that the psalmist starts with that. We all do. What does it look like? And maybe blessing doesn't look the same as uh, to God or as it does to us. But it's the universal pursuit, isn't it? You know, that you're... Um, if, if the psalmist is talking about blessing being happy, you know, there was a movie a few, was it a few years ago, The Pursuit of Happiness? You know, and, and it's a kind of universal uh, statement, isn't it? That the pursuit of things in life, the pursuit of happiness, the pursuit of being joyful, the, the pursuit of contentment, happy, joyful. But the Bible's blessing 
It is talking about happy, but it's different. It's, it's this sense of being happy and joyful uh, and content and, and a new dispensation, a new outlook on life, a, a new recognition of your gift that, that that happiness and that joy comes out of what we discover in the Word, the gift of God. And the greatest blessing that the Word leads us to is it guides us to know Christ and to know salvation. And the psalmist is not unaware of the story that God is painting for the nation of Israel, for, for his people and, and for the one, and those that belong to God. And the greatest blessing, and we get to see that on this side of the covenant, we see that the greatest thing that it guides us through, the greatest blessing, the thing that makes us happy, joyful, content, is that it shows us who Jesus is. Blessed are those who rejoice in his law and understand his word because it leads us to Christ. The psalmist goes on in verse 9 and 10 and, and he says, How can a young man keep his ways pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. The, word, the psalmist says that the word leads us to purity. So one of the things that the word guides us to is purity. It keeps us on the path of staying pure. You know, the Word is full of tips and instructions and, and how to live a life of purity. And it's interesting because you reflect on that sort of stuff and you think, oh, here we go straight away. Here, here, here's the Word already starting to tell us what we can't do and what we shouldn't do and, and where we fall apart and where we fail. And the interesting thing is that's not the heart of the Word. When the, word, when the psalmist says, when the word guides us to purity, it guides us to possibilities. It's not a negative. It's not a sense of you can't do this and you can't do that. It's not a sense of looking at the Ten Commandments and saying, do not murder. Oh, how negative is that? You know, it's, it's not about that. It's about sort of saying, this is the value of life. The word leads us to purity, how to keep our integrity intact and what that means because it leads us to life. Because it leads us to that happiness that he talked about in the first verse, that blessing that we're led to that life in Christ, that we're led to something that's possible and that's positive in our life. And it's important that we understand that the Lord leads us to purity and integrity because that is our witness. That is our authority. It stands and falls on our own testimony, our own purity, our own witness, our own integrity. And I think it's really important when we look at the Word, when we look at where it guides us to, it guides us to places of possibility, not to places of negativity. And that's an important thing. And the psalmist wants us to understand that he's building this whole story. And it starts with blessing and he's building this whole story of what the Word is about. When I understand it, when I live in line with it, that it leads me to. When I, when I get these things like purity and, and, and commandments and, and obedience in place, that leads me to life. Verse 41 and 42, because it's a long psalm, and I said we weren't going to read all of it, but verse 41 and 42 tells us that it guides us to his love and salvation. But it's really interesting. Let's just read them. Let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. So that's about me. Verse 42, then I shall have an answer for, the, for him who taunts me, for I trust in your word. So the psalmist is telling us that the word guides us to salvation, 
but it also guides us to sharing that salvation, to being able to talk to others about salvation. It reveals to us the greatest gift that we have, salvation. And it reminds us constantly. It guides us to the one who brought salvation. And more than that, it guides us into a relationship with him as well. But it also shows us what we have to give away to others. Remember last week we talked when Paul when we looked at Paul when Paul talked to Timothy about you know the word is useful for teaching and training and and rebuking etc. Well, the psalmist says that it leads you to salvation and leads you to an answer for the world, whoever him is. What we have to give away to others to teach to train to correct. For Timothy, that was his mission, and it actually is our mission as well, isn't it? That the kingdom would increase, that the kingdom would grow, that we would show others what the word does. So it leads us to blessing, it leads us to purity, it leads us to his love and salvation, and it leads us to justice and good, judge, good judgment and knowledge. This was an interesting one, I think. If you have a look at verse 65 and 66, I think it is. It'll probably be up on a slide. You've dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. How many of you, especially when you're using a chainsaw, would like good judgment and knowledge? Or how many of us would like Roy to have good judgment and knowledge while he's using a chainsaw? around us. Do you know what I mean? This is a universal thing, isn't it? This is not old-fashioned. This is what all of us want when we're in our business, when we're in doing exams for school, when we're studying at university, when we're trying to raise a family with kids, when we're trying to figure out whether to buy a house or not or, or whether to change our career or not. Wouldn't you want good judgment and knowledge? Wouldn't that be, that be good? That would be good. I would like that sometimes, and I have to confess that at times I operate in not so good judgment and um, minuscule knowledge. That's happened in my life, and I guess that's true for all of us. But the psalmist says to us that the, that the psalm leads us, the word guides us to good judgment and knowledge. Our world is not a just place, and we don't always act justly. The word is our reference point for justice inside us and around us. Good judgment and knowledge in every parent. You know, if you're a parent here, what would be your prayer for your child? That they would grow up in good judgment and knowledge. You know, the, I can remember when Joel was growing up, he thought he could jump from in amazing heights. His judgment wasn't so good because it hurt. You know, and I'm, I'm sure that's true for every kid, isn't it? You know? Um, so you want your kids, and in school, when they interact with other people and, and with the, the event of bullying and everything, we want our kids to be people of good judgment. We want our kids to have knowledge. The psalmist speaks directly to that. He says, God, you've dealt with your servant according to your word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge because I believe in your commandments. It's there. I believe that you can teach me that. The word leads us to good judgment and knowledge. Sin brokenness, hurt. In our world, they're often a result of bad judgment or lack of knowledge, aren't they? In our own life, they certainly are. But in our world, it's true. 
society is crumbling and um, values are declining and there's a change of standards. Our standards are getting lower in our world. And we would say that was a symptom of bad judgment and lack of knowledge. But the Word guides us to that. But it doesn't guide us just that for situations. Like, let's just get the Word out when, when things are happening. Well, I need some knowledge on this. Like, how do I work this computer screen on my new car? Hang on, we'll look it up. You know, page 53, verse 2. Oh, move the lever. We need it for life. We need good judgment and knowledge for life, to live the life that God has called us to. Verse 89. Let's jump ahead and see verse 89 and 90. We're powering through this psalm. And I really do recommend some, at some stage that you have a read of it. And verse 89 says that, and it's right in the middle, it's just a great reminder. And I wanted to include this because it's not a specific thing, but it just tells us that the word is enduring, that it stands fast, that it's, uh, that stands the test of time. Let's have a look at that. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. The sense the psalmist is talking about is the word is unchanging, it's enduring, it isn't going to be outdated, it's not going to be superseded, there's not a new model coming out. The word is enduring, it stands the test of time. You know, and I was just laughing when, when, when Roy was here, because you know what, you, you, how many of you in, in a cupboard or a drawer in your house, there are a stack of old manuals? Yeah? Yeah, they... You know, and the thing is, mostly... And I'm, it, I'm right, as men we read it last before, when we can't figure it out, we finally get the manual out. But once you've had an item, once you've had your chainsaw for a good year, or you've had your toaster for a year, how hard can that be? But, you know, you don't go back to the manual anymore, do you? You actually could toss them out, why don't we? You know? But here's the sense that the psalmist is talking about. This is not one of those manuals. This is a manual you go back to again and again and again, because it's always got new things to tell you. It's always got another way to show you how to operate that. You know, we don't get so, I was thinking, we don't get so excited about the manual, do we? We get excited about the latest worship songs, the coolest sounds, the newest trends in church, the new carpet, you know, the new entry, the beautiful new welcome bench. Have you seen the beautiful new welcome bench? You know, when the youth get up and do work, we, we, and they're all great things to get excited about, but we don't get so excited about the manual. You know, I'm thinking of Christmas. You know, there's Christmas and there's, there's a kid that's got this Christmas gift wrapped up. You know, you got, you, and the boy's getting, you know, the, I, I always wanted a remote control thing. I never got that, so I'm sort of still needing healing from that. But I'm thinking of this kid, I'm thinking this little boy getting, in this box is wrapped up, and he tears off the paper, and he rips open the box, and it's got all that, that white, um, 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 Packaging, yeah, the polystyrene, he throws that everywhere and he throws the cardboard packing out of the way, he throws it and he throws the car away and he says, Look, a manual. <laughs> no, he doesn't, does he? That usually gets thrown in a pile and some well meaning father that thinks, I will need to learn that, dives through the rubbish to find that manual because the kid is going to ask, How does this thing work? We don't get so excited. Roy didn't drive up the driveway, Look, Tammy, I've got a new manual. No, there's the car. We don't get excited about the manual. But the psalmist is saying is that, telling us that if we get excited about the manual, we'll get excited about life. The things will work well. It's enduring. It's not, it's not a manual. I've read it. 
I don't need it anymore. I know how the toaster works. It's enduring. Lovely reminder there, right in the middle of our psalm, almost in the center of our psalm. Then, of course, our text, 105. You know, there's songs written about this. This, uh, this, this is a, these are well-known verses, isn't it? You know, our text says that the word guides us on our path. It lights and illuminates our way. You know, your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. You know, and this idea is repeated in verse 129, 130. If you're on the same page, you could glance ahead where it's the same sort of thing. It says, Your testimonies are wonderful, therefore my soul keeps them. The unfolding of your word gives light. And there's that beautiful language. It's like as the word unfolds, as we get to all of a sudden you understand something, there's new light on a situation. You know, I'm thinking of the whole sense of light. Why would the Bible, why would the psalmist talk about the word leading us to light? Because it's easy to lose your way in a dark place, isn't it? It's pretty easy, and the world is, is dark, and it's pretty easy in a dark place to lose your way, take a wrong turn. You know, imagine driving through the forest without headlights. You know, we, when we first lived in, in the Netherlands, we, in, in, where we were, were um, at the YWAM base, where we lived was five kilometres away from the base. And it still is that way. And now it's got this beautiful bike path. And everyone rides bikes in Holland. So we would ride our, bike path, ride our bikes through the forest. Before this bike path, we had to go through the forest to get to the base, to the, to the YWAM base. Um, problem is that um, one night a week we had night classes and it would be dark. and We would have to ride home through the forest. And being a foreigner... You know, the Dutchies had these really good bikes. But being a foreigner, you got what they had in stock. You know, and we had, I had a bike that had this, you, might, you have to be old like me to remember, the, the dynamo that went on the side of the tyre. When the tyres were, it just goes, and the light just goes. And you can't see anything. And the forest is a scary place to ride at any more than about two kilometres an hour when you can't see anything because you need light to see where you're going. And that's the idea of the psalmist, that the, the, the word illuminates the way. It shows us how not to get lost, how not to take a wrong turn. And, and the fact that the light needs to stay with you, you can't just shine the light, oh, we're going over there, then put the light down and start walking because darkness will envelop you as soon as you start walking. And so the, the word, the psalmist is talking about take the light with you, that it illuminates your path. Keep the word, your path is your life, keep the light with you. Light keeps us safe and it dispels darkness. And there's a great story. You, know, you, kid, you get a kid in a dark room and then you've got, you know, if you have a little, little candle in here, what happens when you go like this? All of a sudden you can see in a dark room. But when you go in a light room and you bring a bit of darkness in, you go like that, what happens? Nothing. Beautiful analogy that the light is so much more powerful than darkness, isn't it? The word guides our path, it leads us and lights the way for us. So, verse 161, jumping ahead, the psalmist is not getting tired yet. and he, the talk, Verse 161 talks about the word guides us to courage, to be courageous. Princes persecute me without cause, but my heart stands in awe of your words against persecution. The word guides us to courage. Who doesn't want courage in their life? Being a follower of Christ takes courage. You know, and it's wonderful. We looked at, um, we, in the start of this year, we looked at Joshua, and there's always a great, it's always great reading Joshua chapter 1, where God says to Joshua like four or five times, doesn't he, in that one chapter, be strong and courageous. 
And be strong and courageous. This is going to be a tough gig, but be strong and courageous because I'm with you. The word reminds us that we can be courageous, that we can be strong and courageous because being an obedient to the word takes courage and being obedient to the world in our world is countercultural sometimes and that takes courage. It takes courage to speak to your friends. It takes courage to even speak to your friends in church and, and to hold each other accountable. It takes courage to live the word and to, to take what it says and say, I'm going to shape my life like that because everything in our world is going to tell you to do it differently. But the word leads us in courage. The word, princes persecute me without cause, but my heart stands in awe of your words. And verse 169, towards the end, it says that the word guides us in understanding. Who doesn't want that? Let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. I would love to understand. I'd love to get into a new car and understand it straight away, wouldn't you? I'd love. Who doesn't want understanding? All the questions of life. Why am I here? Is there a purpose for my life? You know, have you ever had a discussion with somebody about, you know, where am I going? How do I get there? Who will save me? Who will help? What's important in life? Why do we exist? The word is rich in helping us to understand God, the big picture. But not just the big picture, to understand ourselves. And it's incredible when you look at the word. The word is all-encompassing like he's got the whole world in his hand, yet he sees me. Isn't that amazing? The world is, you know, understanding of the whole world, yet he un- the word helps me understand me and my relationship with God, but also my partnership with him in the world. God, why do you love me? Why? What is it that you have for me to do? How can I live for you? What is it that you're doing in the world, and how can I be a part of that? I want to understand that. There's so much more in this psalm, and there's too much for a Sunday morning, but you can see that it's really relevant. It's not old hat. The word really can speak to us about stuff that matters, whether you're sitting exams, whether you're um, trying to make a business decision, whether you're trying to raise kids. Um, There's so much that the word can teach us if we'll learn to know it. The word is able to, to guide us for life. It's a supernatural read, and you can always return to it. Remember last week? I wanted to put that up again. I think I did the slide again here. You know, the word is profitable for teaching what is right, for reproof, what is not right, for correction, how to get right, and for instruction, how to stay right. So well-rounded. And the psalmist tells us details on how that all works, how God's word answers each of those areas of our life. I finished last week by talking about how just as Paul told Timothy that the word makes the person complete, that we are made complete by the word as well, aren't we? Because the word reveals Jesus. The, world, the word re- reveals salvation to us. And the only way we can truly be complete is to understand our own salvation and the way that Jesus came into the world to save us. The word guides us to Christ. It points to him. It always has And it reveals God's amazing plan to make us complete. And this is that second thing that I was talking about, isn't it? Where does the word and who does the word guide us to? The word always pointed to and always points to Jesus. 
And, you know, again, we could take a, a few weeks to, to walk through and, and, and show you where the Old Testament points to Jesus and show you where, uh, where the Word was always pointing to salvation. And I'm not gonna, I'll just talk about it for a moment. Right at the beginning, God spoke of the one who would come in Genesis 3 verse 15. You know that um, where God spoke about, I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and the original seed and her offspring seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Genesis already, at the moment of sin, the moment of, of where Adam and Eve stepped out of God's plan, points to the one who would come and defeat the serpent, Satan, our enemy. And Isaiah 53, and I haven't put those verses up there, but Isaiah 53, um, 52 and 53 are, are, are full of pointing to Jesus. They, they point to the one who would come and, and who would take care of the sin of the world, take care of the misery in the world. And just a few bits of that. And you'll recognize this language. And this is Old Testament. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone his own way. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he didn't open his mouth like a lamb that is led to slaughter. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. And he will bear their iniquities and so forth. Isaiah 53 is it's talking about Jesus. It's pointing ahead that what's going to happen. There was going to be one that was going to take the iniquity, the sin of us all, of all humanity upon him. And he was going to be quiet like a lamb. And they understood that whole, you know, and, and our verse here where, I'll talk about it in a minute, they understood that the whole picture of a lamb that would die, that our sin, that Isaiah was prophetically pointing to a saviour who would come and take the sin of the world upon him so that we could be free. And yeah, the next verse you see up there, John one twenty nine. John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus, you know, when you can, you you know the story when he was baptizing, and all of a sudden he sees Jesus. He says, "Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world." He's the one. Look, behold was look, check it out, have a look, and they knew that language. The whole sense of of a lamb, you know, for four hundred years they knew a Messiah was coming. And they knew the stories of old, what they had to do when, when there was sin. They had to get a, a pure lamb and they, they had to kill that lamb. And that, on, on that lamb, their sin would be taken care of on the altar. Behold, he was a lamb of God who was going to take away the sin of the whole world. What a massive statement. This is Jesus. This is what the word has led you to. And in Jesus himself in Luke 24, you know, he's on the road to Emmaus. You know, he's, chat he's chatting along to these two guys and they have no idea who they're talking to. And as a kid, I always thought that's really, Jesus, why don't you just straight away tell me Jesus, you know? I mean, but he doesn't. He just secretly, you know, hopes they might find out. I don't know what Jesus was doing, whether he was messing with them or, you know. And he's talking to, um, he's talking to them. 
And uh, in Luke 24, verse 27, it says, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. He walked them back through the Old Testament, back through all that they heard, and he said, that was about me. The word was about me. And then in his, the same chapter, later on, to his, um, to his disciples, he's talking about it. He said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it's written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. Hey, disciples, it was all about me. It pointed to me. The word points to Jesus. There's lots that it guides us to, and we had a look at that in Psalm 119 and lots of practical stuff, and it's really helpful for life. But the word leads us to Jesus. It always had, always has, and it always will. It points us to the one who takes away the sin of the world, and that's mine and yours. From the Old Testament right through the New Testament, it's about Jesus Christ and the salvation of us all. You know, I love that. Then straight after Luke, John, John opens... John appropriately opens with, with this statement. You know, how does John open? You know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You know, we're not saved by some good man. God Himself. The Word says God Himself stepped into the gap and took upon Himself the iniquities of us all. So not only does the Word point to Jesus, Jesus is the Word, always was. It's the beginning, but also the final word. The cross was the final statement. He's the embodiment of the word. He is the teacher. He is the trainer. He is the guide. He is the reprover. He is the one who corrects. He is relevant. He is the one who gives courage, comfort, and hope. All truth, all life, clarity, and light. He is the one that lights the way. He is the only way to salvation. The Word became flesh and lived among us. A little bit further on in John, in, chapter, in verse 14, it says, The Word became flesh and lived among us. That was, must have been radical for them to understand. But the Word now indwells us. He became flesh and lived among us, died for the iniquities of the world, and then came to indwell us and live in us. We have the Word living in us. We have the manual living in us. We have the powerful Word living in us. Colossians 3 verse 16 says, Let the Word live in you, dwell in you richly. Let it live in you. Let it come through you. Let it instruct you. Let it guide you. But let it live through you. How do we do that? that you know, we... We apply God's word. That's why it's called applies God's word. How do we mature? How do we, how do we understand how we, how we can walk through life situations? Apply God's word. Understand the instruction. Ask the Holy Spirit to, to, to guide you. When there's specific situations, ask the Holy Spirit to send you to the right page. Look in the index under steering wheel if you need to. 
but it's in there. Allow the Word to guide you. You know, you don't allow the Holy Spirit to be your index. Open your eyes to the Word for your own life and for the life of the world that we live in so that we mature more as disciples of Christ. Not so that we will be successful, but for His glory. You know, guys, this is a wonderful gift that He's given us. I know it's a, you know, we don't like manuals, and I know it's a less exciting part sometimes of, of how we do church and how we do life. But this is an amazing gift that God has given us for now and for all situations. We need to learn to use it and apply it. Let it change us and grow us. Let it in. Let the word in to bring hope and peace so that it can come out with power for the word around us. That's what it's for. Let's pray. God, we thank you that um, you're so practical. Your word is so practical. You are so practical. Uh, You are. and The word is useful. The word does guide us. And we thank you, Lord, for uh, the fact that your word is relevant, that it still means so much today, that it still speaks to us in our situations every day and each day, that we can still find wisdom, knowledge, understanding, light, courage through your word, not just to defeat the armies of the, the nations in the Old Testament, but to stand against the world that we live in today, in 2018. That you really do have something to say to us, that it really is valuable. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would impress upon us the need and the desire to apply your word to our life. Help us to see the fruit of your word in our life and the world around us. Lord, we, there's not one of us that would not agree that our, word, our world desperately needs truth. We're the bearers of that truth, Lord. Help us to live it out in power. In Jesus' name, amen.